And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome to the program for October 31st, 2023, which in the Hebrew calendar is the 16th of Cheshvan, 5784. I am Walter Bingham and glad to be home after an official trip to Germany, Holland and England, about which I shall tell you later in the show. There is little I can add to the facts about the war that are already known. Like all of you, I find no words about the barbarism committed by the monster terrorists that murdered 1,400 of our brothers and sisters. In proportion to the population of the U.S., the Hamas terror attack of October the 7th was equivalent to 15 9-11s. Did you know that the terrorists were followed into the kibbutzim, into the villages, by civilians who came across the border to loot? I just mentioned proportion. Well, the new buzzword used by some of our so-called friends is proportionality. I suppose they mean that we should suffer the atrocities and respond as usual by sending a bomb or two to destroy a building already evacuated by Hamas. Well, this time they have miscalculated. We will no longer be the one who is sacrificed on the altar of humanitarian response. Anyway, as an exponent of correct use of language, the term proportionality means exactly the opposite from how it is being used. It means in proportion to that which the enemy did. It means ayin tachat ayin, an eye for an eye, doing the equivalent to their atrocities. A handwritten note was found on one of the terrorists which was given to him prior to the attack of October the 7th. The IDF presented it on CBS TV. The words from Hamas commanders consist of an order to kill Jews because they are a plague, or a similar word, that can only be cured by cutting off their heads and tear out their hearts and livers. Go and fight, it concluded. Therefore, every one of the Hamas terrorists must and will be killed. Our troops are now in Gaza and are doing exactly that while, of course, trying to locate our hostages. We will not lower ourselves to their inhumane ways and gouge out their eyes or cut off their heads. So far, only 808 murdered and mutilated civilians could be identified. Just imagine what that means. A spokesman for the wonderful organization Zaka, who see to it that the dignity of our dead is maintained, reported that every dead terrorist they find was placed in a body bag, marked appropriately. That is not how I would have disposed of such wild beasts, such monsters. But this is Israel. Make of it what you will. For the past weeks, we have been told that our IDF is ready and keen to enter Gaza to finish the job. Until last Sunday, 
That didn't happen. And even now, we are not sure if the current incursion is the main assault. The excuses were, we are waiting for more equipment from the US. We are still training for the inevitable urban warfare. And, of course, the hostages. I want here to immediately say that it isn't easy for me to advocate for our boys to go into battle because I have no sons or daughters to worry about. But unfortunately, our situation demands it. It is with the help of mediation by Qatar that we will get our hostages back. But that would surely be by an exchange of prisoners that we cannot allow. Imagine if we would release those Hamas terrorists whom we captured alive. I suppose we needed to do that in order to get intelligence. Remember how the earlier exchanged terrorists returned to their evil ways. Remember the exchange for Gilad Shalit? Those same terrorists were now murdering our children. Should we create a new nucleus of Hamas and lose more precious lives in another few years? Every Hamas terrorist must be eliminated. I'm certain that there are thousands of Gazan citizens who will praise Israel for having freed them from the Hamas regime. I wonder if it has occurred to our government to imprison 230 civilians from Gaza and offer those to exchange for our hostages. That would show how much Hamas cares for their civilians. So how shall Gaza be administered after the war? Here I apply my personal knowledge and experience of Germany after the Nazis were defeated. For the first year, until the remnants of Hamas-installed administrators are found and imprisoned, there must be an Israeli military administration. Once a demilitarized Gaza functions normally, capable administrators can be installed, maybe even the PA, to run a section of the Strip as an Arab area with permanent residence for the inhabitants within a sovereign Israel. I know that there are many of my friends who will not agree with this suggestion. Foremost among them are the leaders of the sovereignty movement, Nadia Matar and Yehudit Katsova. If I understand them correctly, they have suggested to give Israeli citizenship to the Arabs of Gaza and immediately treat the area as another part of Israel. I agree and support sovereignty. But citizenship? Friends, that would create a demographic disaster. Do you really want two million plus Arabs to vote for Ahmed Tibi and his Tal party that advocates a one-state solution, the quickest way to lose our country? Quite apart from that, it would place the responsibility of reconstructing Gaza on Israel. As we've seen in the PA-administered areas, their population are quite capable and skilled 
to erect illegal residential multi-storey blocks and now they will soon be able to do it legally in Gaza. So let's not fool ourselves and believe that all will be rosy when Hamas is defeated. Yes, we shall be rid of the rocket attacks from that rat's nest, but there are others who would like to see our precious homeland judenfrei. We still have a large task ahead of us. If you want to comment on this or anything else you hear in this program, please write to walter at israelnewstalkradio.com where you will always get my personal reply or place your comment on the Walter Bingham file page of our website. In the meantime, may the Lord of the Universe keep and protect our brave IDF and all the other security forces and guide them to defeat the evil Hamas. I was out of the country for just over a week, starting two days after the October 7th Hamas atrocities, and I want to tell you where I've been and what I did. You may already know about the famous Kindertransport when the UK agreed after relatively short negotiations with the UK Jewish communal leadership, to save and accept about 10,000 unaccompanied Jewish children that meant without parents from the Nazi-controlled areas of Europe. This started soon after what until October the 7th this year was the greatest genocide that started on Kristallnacht, the wrongly called Night of the Broken Glass, when all synagogues in the Nazi-dominated areas of Europe were burned to the ground, 30,000 Jewish men were taken to concentration camps, and many Jewish homes and properties were destroyed or damaged. I saw it all. The kinder transports lasted for approximately eight months, and according to published statistics, about 7,400 children managed to leave before the outbreak of war. That's World War II. To commemorate 85 years since its commendable effort by the then British government, the worldwide organization March of the Living decided to recreate the journey taken by those children. They invited three ex-kinder, who now live in Israel and who are still fit to travel, to undertake the journey which the children took between December 1938 and the end of August 1939. I was the oldest of those three children. It was a very strenuous week, every night in a different city and every night in a different hotel. We flew from Israel to Berlin for two ceremonies. There we were joined by a security guard and a five-strong film production company who filmed all our movements and interviews. Next, after less than 24 hours, it was on a train for six hours to the opposite side of Germany, the place of my birth, for my memories, recollections and interviews. A short night and on by another long train journey to Amsterdam for more ceremonies. 
Throughout the journey, we were extremely well catered by Chabad Lubavitch. The next morning, it was a ride to the port of Hook van Holland for the ferry to Harwich. During those five and a half hours, we had an opportunity to meet the captain on the bridge. I was also invited to the cockpit during our flight to Berlin. The last leg was by train to arrive at Liverpool Street Station in London, where every one of the Kindertransport children arrived to be allocated to the various groups according to their arranged destination. At a ceremony by the Kindertransport Monument at the station, we were received by the station director and by the head of Anglia Railways who operate that sector. From there, it was by coach to the Shoah Memorial in Hyde Park for an extremely moving religious ceremony with UK's chief rabbi, Ephraim Mervis, and a Jewish school choir. The last night was at the Leonardo Hotel near Tower Bridge. As it was Friday afternoon, I spent Shabbat at the Pillar, a kosher hotel in Hendon. On Monday, I flew home. It took a week for me to recover from the tight schedule and being every night in a different hotel. Throughout the short but packed journey, we... The three ex-kinder and our wives, in my case my daughter, were treated like VIPs with the utmost courtesy and care by our host, the staff of March of the Living, as well as by all the other officials who greeted us at the various locations. I would be remiss if I would not mention that March of the Living thought of everything, we even had a doctor with us on the whole journey. There is, however, one dark cloud that hangs over the original Kindertransport event of the 1930s. The British government stipulated their humanitarian action on one cruel condition. The children cannot be accompanied by their parents. So just imagine the heroic decision the parents had to take to send their sometimes only child into a foreign country, in most cases not knowing where they are going. The war was imminent. When will they ever be reunited? The fact is that more than 99% of the children never ever saw their parents again they became the victims of the Holocaust. I called it cruel because even if each child would have had both parents and even if there were a certain percent of siblings, the total amount of family would have been less than 20,000 Jews that could have been saved. Jews who would have been a productive asset to the UK. A measure of criticism for that must be laid at the door of the leaders of the then UK Jewish establishment who did not do enough to pressure the government because they thought that too many Jews will cause anti-Semitism. 
Compare that with a monthly influx of illegal immigrants to the UK and the cost to the taxpayer. The Holy One, blessed be he, has a long memory. And before I end, just a word about the self-serving, time-wasting and money-wasting United Nations, an organization that was established after World War II to prevent more wars. During their watch, there were more wars than ever before. Now the Secretary-General Guterres has the gall to imply that Israel has brought this war upon themselves. He is not fit for the job and must resign. In fact, the useless UN with its unelected members should be disbanded or at least thrown out of Israel. And with that thought, I end for today. At this difficult time in our beloved country and indeed in the world, it is particularly important to look after our elderly, some of whom are survivors of the events of the 1930s in Europe and who once again have to live through unspeakable anti-Jewish horrors. Goodbye.